This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Listen to this podcast. It's called 80s Revisited. Mm-hmm. It'll take all your cares away and will make you happy because yes. we're back, bitches. That's right. <laughs> Five weeks in a row? Not counting, count, including the echo episode, as we, yeah, the as Jesse coined it last week. Uh, so we haven't missed the beat aside from the echo episode. Yeah. We were cursed. How appropriate for the Halloween horror hoot nanny yep. of terror for 2019. I, have co- of course, am your host. Trey Halloweeny Harris, and with me as always, Jesse Slimy Sedgley. Yes, I am. In my 80, horribly 80s attempt to give us Halloween pseudonyms or nicknames that had alliteration with our last names. A lot of grammar thrown at you right there, I know. Try to contain your excitement. <laughs> but this week, for as we, the, let's see, making sure it's going to be the Echo Sode, the second sequel to Sequelitis of this Halloween horror, this year's theme, I should say, Fright Night Part 2. Part now, depending D. depending on where you lived, because we had me and Jesse had to fact double check, triple check, actually, fact check as we were going live, depending on where you live, for example, our good friend Ben Wyatt in Tasmania, a.k.a. Australia Light, uh, this movie released December 8th, 1988. However, for us here in the U.S. of A, May 19th, 1989. That would have been uh, 19 years before my daughter was born, because she was born May 19th. Oh, there so you go. When I said, oh, May 19th, what is that day? <laughs> what is that? Oh, yeah, that's the day my daughter I was born. I feel like that's significant. If only nine-year-old Trey knew that on that day, not only is Friday Night 2 released, but a child would be born. Only knew he only had 19 years left, left of life. <laughs> left before <laughs> the dog time. 20, actually, no, that'd be... Because I'm horrible at math, 90, 29. 29. Excuse me. Yeah, the 80s. I mean, never claimed to be good at math. I was just going off of your numbers. I didn't. Don't trust me on numbers. Okay. Don't trust me on numbers. That's my that's my Achilles heel. (laughs) One of my four Achilles heels. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, IMDb says it's a 5.9. Rotten Tomatoes not quite as nice. 25% critics, 42% audience. Now this film, believe it or not, had a budget of 7.5 million dollars. No. Opening weekend? It's not a lot. $548,000. Okay, that's not a lot either. $1,000. However, there's a story behind that, which we'll get into. But the gist of it is, it only opened in 148 theaters. And there's a reason for that. We'll get to, get to in the trivia. Which was good enough for it to open at number 14 for the week. Number one that week, however, the Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder comedy, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Mm. And one of my favorite team-ups of them, theirs. Uh, domestically, we're going to gross $2.9 million, an abysmal failure, and that's why you don't have a Fright Night Part 3. However, we do have an exceptional remake with Colin Farrell mm-hmm. and the late, great Anton Yelchin. Uh, one of, one of the, I, I honestly, probably one of the better remakes in my top five. If I had to pick like top five horror remakes, the Fright Night remake, me and Autumn watch it every year for Halloween. Absolutely love it. Hmm. There's a line where Colin Farrell's like, hey, guy. 
which we just, anytime, that's like, you know, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you have your little quotes from random stuff that yeah. you both enjoy. So we're always like, we need to give each other's attention. Hey, guy. Because of the Fright Night remake. Which, again, David Tennant is Peter Vincent. Brilliant casting. Sometimes a remake just needs that. It just needs good casting. Yeah. And everything else is just laying you out. So I'll take it. But anyway, this was directed by a veteran of the podcast, though not, well, yeah, for his directing. Uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, he also directed Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Uh, One episode of Tour of Duty, which I've mentioned before. And also, most notably, nowadays, he was the director of the IT television miniseries. Mm. Uh, But Tommy Lee Wallace is not so much known for his directing stuff quite as much as he's known for his other stuff in terms of production designing and stuff like that. Because he was the production designer on the original Halloween. And he actually donned the white Shatner mask for one scene, at least, that I'm not 100% sure of. The famous scene where the climax where Jamie Lee's in the closet and he's smashing the... Uh, closet door to get in. Mm-hmm. He played Michael Myers in that scene because as the production designer, he knew where to hit to which slats were going to break. Right. As opposed to Nick Castle going up there and like hitting the wrong, you know, possibly hitting the wrong park. There's something that couldn't be taught. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take too long for you to understand. Just let me do it. Just let me do it. I'll work better alone with all these cameras in this mask. But it'll take you like an hour and a half to get in all this. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, no. <laughs> thankfully, it's you know Michael Myers and not you know Freddy Krueger to where they have right. to go sit for eight hours to get yeah. appliances done. But you know, pretty good director, I'd say. Uh, of course, Halloween three had the advantage of as we I gushed over last episode, the great Dean Cundy for a cinematographer. Uh, this had a lot of writers too, though, written by Tim Metcalf, who also did Revenge of the Nerds one through four, and apparently his writing partner Miguel Tejada. Tejada Flores, who also co-wrote Revenge of the Nerds 1 through 4, but also an underrated, what I would say, 90s sci-fi classic, the Peter Weller starring Screamers, which was, I believe, based mm. on a short story by, uh, oh, what's his, Philip K. Dick. I believe it's Dick. I'm not sure. <laughs> Might not be Dick. Mm. Uh, but anyway, also Tom Lee Wallace helped write it. Uh, he also wrote Amityville 2. And also Halloween 3 and the It miniseries. So he had his hands full with both Halloween 3 and It in terms of the miniseries being both writer and director. See, Rob Zombie, it's possible. It's possible to make good movies that you write and direct. <laughs> and it actually, well, no, no, I'm thinking of... Uh, I think it's happened a lot more than it, just this. Oh, it has. I just like to, you know, really, right my good friend Rob Zombie some t- every right. episode during Halloween. One day he's going to hear this. Be like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Don't worry, Rob. You got more money than I will ever see in my entire life. Well, <laughs> Maybe, unless I win the lottery, finally. Unless he's broke right now. Mm, I don't know. Three from Hell just came out and, well, came out to the couple theaters and then straight to Blu-ray. So, hmm. Not saying I told you so, but. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. No, just kidding, Rob. Uh, more on Three from Hell and the Back to the Future segment. Rob Zombie's net worth is approximately $40 million. Jesus. <laughs> Not what you expected? No, I would have, I mean, well, I mean, he he's one of those that was smart to where, much like Kiss marketed himself well. Right. You know, to where the persona, you know, uh, figures and licensing and comic book, you know, he he, he knew, he's a good businessman mm-hmm. in terms, you know, because that's not all, if he was just a, just, you know, White Zombie never had that much money. Sure. I like to see his net worth from, you know, before splitting from White Zombie to... You know, when he became, you know, Zombie Inc., for lack of a better word. I'm sure his, all his stuff has a, his company has a name. I don't know what it is. But anyway, uh, cinematography Road for Runner. Fright Night 2. I don't yeah, think it's Roadrunner. That's, yeah, because that's just the label. Uh, 
Oh, okay. Uh, but the cinematography was by Mark Irwin. You know, this movie, you know, it wasn't, wasn't badly shot. Nothing to write home about or call Dean Cundy about. But uh, he also did, Mark Irwin also did Videodrome, The Dead Zone, The Fly, speaking of good remakes. And also another good remake, The Blob. Both of The Fly and The Blob, which have been covered on the podcast. The Blob a couple years ago for Creatures Features. And The Fly randomly because Daniel had never seen it. Yeah. Uh, when that was the entire, you know, gimmick of our podcast. You know, when we had Daniel here. Mm. Rest in peace on the podcast. He's still alive. Uh, and also he uh, was a cinematographer for Robo- RoboCop 2. Uh, decent sequel. That's for 90s Revisited down the road. Long, long road away. Or maybe a divergent fork, maybe. Who knows? Mm. I don't. Future's unpredictable. But anyway, starring, again, another late great, unfortunately, Roddy McDowell as, an, in my opinion, an iconic horror character, Peter Vincent. Of course, Fright Night 1, Planet of the Apes, probably what he's mo- best known for, but... I honestly remember him mainly as Peter Vincent, but also as not the bursar, but the uh, I'm not sure what you what he I forget it what they call uh, his position, but in the Poseidon Adventure, the original, not the horrible remake. Speaking of bad remakes, that's a bad one. Uh, but he was great in that. Uh, fantastic actor, did done a lot, long and storied career, and passed away a while back. William Ragsdale repri- reprises his role as Charlie Brewster from Fright Night One. He was also in the locally shot in Baton Rouge, Left Behind. Oh boy! Starring everybody's favorite actor Nicolas Cage. Oh gosh! Uh, don't watch that movie <laughs> unless you like really. Now, I am the type of person that will watch a bad movie, as you probably know from listening to this podcast. Right. I, will, I will even better. You know, I don't care if it's a good or a bad movie. If it says starring Nicolas Cage, I will watch it. Just I will watch anything he is in. Period. Because. I know what I'm getting when I sign up for when I when I see starring Nicolas Cage. I love the cage. Yeah. I'm always eager to get into the cage. Right. <laughs> As a who, who did that skit on SNL? Was it you Fallon? Seen this one? Yeah, fine. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. I like how they made the second floor of the mall Louisiana the first floor. Just to do it? Yeah. Well she you know, of course we know what it is because we live in Baton Rouge and like yeah. a car just crashed through the second floor of the mall. <laughs> it must be fine. You know, I mean, it's one of those things, I guess people in California, other people in other, you know, obviously film heavy places like, oh, yeah, that's the scene. For, you know, they filmed this there. And, you know, obviously it's camera movie magic because the inside doesn't look like that. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, you know, Baton Rouge, you know, Hollywood South is a thing. But, I mean, Baton Rouge doesn't usually get what well, I mean, I, everything in left. I'm like, OK, I know where that is. I know exactly what that is. That's physically impossible because that's not there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and all that. So, of course, I watched Left Behind because it was filmed here. And yeah. a, our good friend, uh, well, I say good friend, I never met him, but Jason Hewitt. Hewitt I Producer. think a lot of thought was, you know, he was a big part of that. So He secured the uh, the plane set. So <laughs> good job. So they had to uh, make him a producer, one of the many, hey, oh, executive many producer. producers of Ugh. that film. They must have just given Cage, like, Cage, we're going to give you an unlimited amount of drugs. <laughs> Or what? I don't know. I'm just picking with Cage, but stay safe. We're, we're, we're on a last name basis, me and Cage. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, the Rage w- Cage. They, they keep talking about remaking <laughs> Mortal Kombat, and Nicholas Cage needs to be Johnny Cage. I don't care. He's too old. It needs to be then because he, he's gonna. You know, he's one of those actors that I think. You know, he also needs a TV show where he's just Nicholas Cage. You know, like they don't. You know, Jerry Seinfeld. He's not Seinfeld. He's just, or no, he was Seinfeld. Uh, but on other TV shows, where like you know. The Michael Richards show, he was Michael something else. 
Right. You know, uh, they'll keep the first name. Uh, Two and a Half Men, Charlie Sheen was Charlie, but he wasn't Charlie Sheen. He was, which I don't know why they do that. To me, that's just. So they, maybe during (laughs) testing, they called him something else and he just stared off into nothing. Just didn't look back. I mean, that's the joke, you know, I mean, like. Is it because they don't recognize? Yeah, this is this is a TV show. I, you got to call me by my real name. I'm not. I, I don't. I can't method on yeah. this or so. I have no clue. I don't know why they do that, but that's like a common occurrence on TV. I mean, but I also, could see it. There's a familiarity there. I guess. But I mean, also, you're an actor. You've been Nicholas Cage has been Johnny Blaze. He's been Cameron Poe. He's been Stanley. Not, well, no, not If Kiss. That's the mask. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Uh, Stanley and in, in The Rock. Oh man, God, that's, that's gonna bug me now. You have to look it up because that's that's taking me off. And the Rock, Stan, yeah, he was. Uh, oh Stanley my God, Stanley Goodspeed. Yeah, good. You, you recognize the meaning of your name, right? <laughs> yeah, Godspeed. Yeah, I knew it was Stanley son. Like immediately, I just jumped uh, to the mask because I saw that. I immediately got the scene of Cameron Diaz coming in from the rain and that slow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. This is a '90s revisited. Back to <laughs> back to Fright Night Part Two. But uh, William Rags also has a new movie coming out called When We Dance, the Music Dies. Uh, haven't seen it. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Tracy Lind is Alex. She was also in Bugsy and My Boyfriend's Back, a precursor to the zombie craze of today. Well, of you know that's still going on, so to speak, but kind of started with the walk. You know, you know it's it's, 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 it's past. It's it's peaked and it's on its downslope. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for the '90s, a zombie, mo- a comedic zombie movie. So. The movie's kind of ahead of its time a little bit. Uh, the lovely Julie Carmen is Regine. Uh, she was also in the John Carpenter underappreciated classic and third part of his Apocalypse trilogy, the Mouth in the Mouth of Madness. And she did a lot of miscellaneous TV. Uh, John Grease or Grise, not sure how you pronounce it, but it, when you look at it, how it's spelled, it rhymes with fries. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say Grise. Uh, he was Louie. He was a werewolf in this movie, and strangely enough, he would—he's a veteran of the podcast because he was another werewolf in the Monster Squad. But also, he's he was also on the podcast Sans Makeup because he was Laszlo in Real Genius. Uh, that's where I, that's the main thing out of makeup I recognize him from. I was like, I know this guy. He looks so familiar because he looks exactly the same and had to IMDb it to figure it out. But yeah, Laszlo from uh, Real Genius. It's also Men in Black and Napoleon Dynamite. Bleh. Not a indie fan. <laughs> uh, Russell Clark was Bell. He was also a veteran of the podcast because he was in Xanadu. But he's not really an actor. He's mainly a choreographer. He's directed, or uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, choreographed scenes, or music, or you know, dance scenes, that kind of stuff, and, ma- and everything from Major Pain, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, and Scary Movie Two. And uh, Brian Thompson. Speaking of Mortal Kombat, he was Bosworth in this film, but most notably, he was Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. one of the worst sequels. Ever. Speaking of sequelitis. <laughs> However, I have to say it's a guilty pleasure. It's so bad. I can, I can I, I, it is so bad. I can be entertained by it, despite how horrible it was. <laughs> that was one of the like uh, go up. Annihilation came out when ninety six, five. I don't know. 97. Wow, wow. I was older than I thought I was when I saw it. But that was one of the first movies I remember coming out of the theater and just being like, "What? What? What? What, what the hell was this?" <laughs> uh. Yeah, so less said about that, the better until we get to 90s revisited. But also, uh, he was also the bounty hunter in X-Files. But he's also a veteran of the podcast because he was, uh, I forget the killer's name, in Cobra, starring Stallone, but he was the villain in that. 
And also, he stars in one of my wife's, strangely enough, favorite movies, which I, I don't, do not understand why she likes this movie so much, but Joe Dirt. Mm. Buffalo Bob. It's, it's just, I don't know. I've, I've given that movie every decent shake. I'd rather watch Left Behind and Mortal Kombat Annihilation double feature than watch Joe Dirt once. I, I can't. I, it's not for me. <laughs> Put it. I, I just Certainly. can't. I don't. Also, if you listen to the podcast, you probably know that I don't like David Spade, and so that's also part of it. But I just don't. I don't get the Joe Dirt thing. Don't get it. Can't handle it. Don't want to handle it. It just annoys me. I can't stand it. My personal part of my personal hell would be. You're just chained to it like Clockwork Orange, and it's just playing Joe Dirt forever. (laughs) Satan's just like waiting. He's just like, oh, I'm going to get that soul. That's going to be one of my favorite (laughs) tortures. Yeah. But anyway, Friday Night Part 2. Jesse, have you ever seen Friday Night Part 2? No. You're in the majority, (laughs) because most people obviously didn't. I mean, I tried, but, you know, wasn't playing at my theater. Yeah. There's a reason for that, which we're going to do in just a second. But in terms of... Uh, what I thought about the movie, this is one I never saw on TV, always saw the first one, never really saw this one. Uh, so it's, it was kind of an unusual thing. I always knew of its existence simply because uh, so many other movies in the 80s, at the video store, the VHS box art was cool as hell. Same kind of uh, fate. Uh, yeah. I want to say Marcy's face because that's a character from uh, Married with Children. But Amanda, not Bynes, God, I can't even think of her name now. But uh, Marcy familiar with children from the first Fright Night is that same kind of face, but it's over a building in Fright Night Part 2 as opposed to coming over the house in Fright Night Part 1. I mean, it's basically a, a Photoshop job of the original cover. Yeah, I know her name. Like, just a couple days ago, I knew her name. I just can't think of her. Amanda something? Or yeah, Amanda. Beers, not Bynes. <laughs> Marcy Darcy. Marcy Darcy. Yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, this film was... Uh, it was pretty much... It was limited in theaters... Mainly in the in L.A. and New York. Uh, so if you weren't in those markets, you probably didn't even know it existed until you it popped on your local video store. And they probably didn't have 10 copies of it as a new release. Like, you know, this wasn't this wasn't a big hit. You know, it, it literally made, didn't even make half of its budget back. It was mm. a failure. So we don't have a part three. However, it doesn't diminish the first one. Uh, but this one, what I, what I love about this series is is Ragsdale and McDowell's chemistry. Mm-hmm. And the story in this one, it's a good continuation. However, it's just, the first one is very, it, it, it maintains that high school, even though everybody looks like, it is, it looks like and was in their 20s, that, that high school, you know, Saved by the Bell meets Dracula kind of mentality, for lack of a better description, uh, to where, you know, the original's just so much fun. You got Evil Ed in there, you got Chris Sarandon, all that stuff together. And of course, in that one, McDowell's the disbeliever and then has to be convinced that vampires are real. And he has to, has to you know, it has to be Fright Night for real, mm-hmm. like they say in that one. You know, so, but in this one, they reverse it. So the, the main gist of this one is that pretty much William Ragsdale, Charlie Brewster's character, has gone to psych- a psychiatrist and, like, you know, vampires aren't real. I hallucinated everything. Whatever, bro. <laughs> you, what you saw cannot be hallucinated. Other people saw it. You know, so it's like it, it, it is kind of weak, but I mean, for the sake of the story, it goes with it. But you know, he still he still kind of believes it, but he's trying to get over it. 
like, I just imagined it. There's no such thing as vampires. Whereas Rodney McDowell's like, vampires are real. I'm still doing Fright Night. Be vigilant. You have to stop the vampires if you see them. They're real, et cetera, et cetera. So who comes a knocking? But let me pause here for a second. If you haven't seen this film and don't want this reveal to be spoiled, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Spoilers ahead. So spoiler, full, full disclosure, I'm about to spoil. It's not a twist, but they make they try to make it a twist. Mm. So anyway, spoilers starting now. Julie Carmen's character, Regine's last name is, uh, oh, son of a bitch. I'm having such a brain Dandridge. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Dandridge. Oh, wait a second. Jerry Dandridge was the vampire in the first one. It's his sister. Oh. So she's basically... So again, the plot isn't bad. His sister comes to get revenge on the people who killed her brother. It's a vampire revenge tale. But she's doing it, you know, smartly in that she's making... You know, she knows what Charlie's going through. So she's like basically ruining his life systematically. Again, a pretty decent, you know, story. There's The core story's great. It works. I'm on board. Problem is with this one, it's just not funny. It's a little, you know, it's more, a little too serious for this franchise, what the first one started out, you know, because it's Fright Night. It's supposed to be, you know, little, you know, horror comedy, horror comedy, horror comedy, kind of, you know, joke comedy. I mean, I'm sorry, joke horror, joke horror, somebody dies, you know, silly, you know, silly. You know, uh, the effects are not meant to look they look good, but they're not meant to be scary. I'd say, especially in the first one, when when Marcy Darcy's the vampire. I mean, it's it's the it's the it's the face from the cover. It's exaggerated, you know, big kind of goofy mouth. This one is much more horror. Aside from Roddy, <laughs> the effects are great in this, by the way. Like it, it's great '80s effects. It's those great effects where you show the actor like screaming. You cut yeah. away for a reaction. Cut back. It's the dummy. Ah, <laughs> the actor's still screaming. Great. Old Which you can see on YouTube. If you're on if you're on iTunes, go to YouTube. We're playing it right now. Yep. So you can follow along. We Bling. have yep. visual cues and stuff. Yep. But uh bottom line is much like we talked about Psycho 2 last week, a lot of good pieces just doesn't come together as good as it I believe it probably could have. Uh, I'm not sure who to blame for this one. Last Psycho 2, I'd blame the director. I think they, a better director could have done something with it. This one, maybe this, probably maybe too many writers. Maybe if uh, Tommy Lee Wallace just wrote it himself. Maybe they thought bringing in the writers of Revenge of the Nerds, which I am not a fan of. Spoiler alert if we ever cover that series. Uh, I know it has its love, its uh, fans. Uh, just never got into, never, never got into Revenge of the Nerds. However, there's four of them, so I'm missing out on something, I guess. But anyway, so I guess they thought, you know, bring them in. They'll do the humor part. Eh, eh. Again, there's a couple of funny parts. Most notably when uh, McDowell or Peter Vincent actually on air tries to murder Regine after she takes over Fright Night, the Fright Night show. Uh, you know, but it's just the it just the humor side falls flat, which is really what drags this movie down. The horror stuff's fine. Tom Lee Wallace has proven himself in that genre. Uh Multiple times uh, by the time this came out with Halloween 3 especially, which, you know, many people now consider one of the best of the Halloween series. Some people say it's the second best. Some people think it's the third best. Some You know, so that's a that's a cult film that has since become lauded uh, as opposed to when it came out. And still, honestly, Halloween 3 is one of the most disturbing endings of any movie ever. Millions of children's heads are exploding with insects and snakes. <laughs> uh, speaking of insects, as we're watching uh, Brian... Uh, 
I'm sorry, not Brian. You know, Brian Thompson, yeah. Uh, his death in uh, this film. Again, practical, looks great. Of course, you can tell it's not, you know, I mean, that's that's the fun of it. I mean, I guess, you know, you can tell, you know, you know how the effect's done, but it's still cool to look at because it's not CG. It's no. literally happening on set. Oh, got to hold up my CG rant. Can't talk, <laughs> got to limit that thanks to an email from a friend of ours, which we'll get to later. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, uh, a good email, not from a not from well, they're a person. all good emails. Yeah, true. <laughs> we don't get bad emails here. Yeah. But anyway, bottom line, I got, which I said a little bit ago as well, good, and that was great, some of his parts, very similar to Psycho 2 in terms of that. However, I do think if they just would have had a good, you know, if the jokes would have landed, this film would have done a lot better. First one, fantastic. Ain't gotten hardly anything bad to say about that. We watched it just the other night because uh, I had to get all, uh, Autumn's like, I don't I don't want to see the second one. And I said, well, we're watching it for the podcast, so I'll tell you what. We'll watch the first one first because we both love that one. And then we'll watch the remake later because we love that one too. So, you know, Fright Night's, uh, we're Fright Night fans in our house, although, you know, two doesn't get rotation <laughs> for the reasons I mentioned before. <laughs> However, you know, performance-wise, like there's, you know, the, the acting side of it's not bad from the actors, actor part of it. And by that, by that, I mean people other than Russell Clark. I mean, he doesn't say a word in the movie. Uh, you know, him again, he's a dancer being a vampire. There's not much to say. Uh, if it was a weak link, it was probably just Tracy Lind as Alex. But I mean, again, she's not bad. Nowhere near as a as compared to Meg Tilly from last week, who was just, oh God, they should have absolutely gotten her out of Psycho too. That would have really helped that movie. But I mean, McDowell was sort of like, from what I've read, too, he was more like how Donald Pleasance was with the Halloween series. He said he'd make these movies until he's di- he died, which Loom- uh, Loomis, uh, Donald Pleasance did. <laughs> but McDow- you know, they, they were in talks to get a part three off the ground, however, uh, which we'll get to in just a second with the trivia, as I teased before. Uh, now, that Fright Night 2, which we're looking at on IMDb in 2013, mm-hmm. is not a sequel to the remake or anything it's just basically it was basically a reboot of the first original one practically the same plot just takes place overseas it's weird they call it two yeah i mean there's no reason for it i get i don't to know steal the franchise i guess i, I mean honestly I, I had to be go to the remake i mean uh, yeah the actual remake with colin farrell that one was yeah so the the fright night two that follows the reboot a remake of fright night in 2011 with farrell and yelchin is pretty much an exact is more so a reboot of the original. So the sequel of the remake is a reboot telling the practically the exact same story. Hmm. Although the, the girl that plays the vampire in it, the lead vampire, oh my God. <laughs> Gorgeous. Jamie Murray. Shout out to Jamie Murray. Lovely. Lovely. She could suck my blood <laughs> any night of the week if I wasn't married to a lovely woman. And with a lovely little bouncing bundle of joy. Who screamed for four out or 40 minutes tonight before going to bed. She's been a lot of Ears stuff. Ears are still ringing from earlier, but whatever. Anyway, trivia as promised. So uh, pretty much soon after the filming wrap for this, so before it was actually released, uh, Roddy McDowell and Fright Night creator Tom Holland, time-traveling Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, were scheduled to meet with Live Entertainment chairman Jose Menendez to discuss making a third film. However, the plans died along with Menendez, because if you recognize that name, he was infamously murdered by his sons. Mm. So the producer, there would have been a Fright Night 3, poss- quite possibly, you know, a better chance, had Eric and Lyle Menendez not shot their parents. So 
Fuck you guys. Yeah. We could have one more Roddy McDowell, Peter Vincent movie. Uh, and also, shame on you for murdering people. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, part two ended up losing, uh, as a direct consequence of the horrific tragedy, part two ended up losing its planned countrywide distribution. And that's why it only opened it on 148 screens, mainly in, in L.A. and New York. Therefore, that's why most people didn't even know it existed. However, its, its box office per theater were actually, was actually really good. It just didn't have the distribution to go nationwide. And that was the, you know, that was the vampire to the neck of the series, so to speak, for that. And all the movies playing promos and ads were all canceled as well because of the murder. And most people never even knew the movie existed until, like I said earlier, until actually seeing the case at their local video store. Which, you know, that's how a lot of things were discovered in the 80s. Going to, you know, that that's the aspect I miss. I mean, when you browse through a Netflix queue, you're basically doing the same thing. You're mm-hmm. looking, you know, that's why somebody at Netflix needs to make like just a graphics where it looks like you're, you know, you're looking at a, you know, you know, the, the, the covers and all that, that would be genius. I w- in fact, Shutter should do that because their selection is not quite as expansive as Netflix, you know, and that would be thematically perfect for Shutter. Copyright 80s revisited Shutter. Just, you know, give us a free subscription. We'll call it even lifetime subscription. Might I add. Uh, but anyway, uh, writer-director Tom Holland was actually asked to return for the sequel, however, but him and original lead vampire Chris Sarandon were too busy making another iconic franchise uh, with Child's Play. So that's why they weren't involved in this. Uh, Julie Carmen really wasn't interested in taking the role because the character, she said, quote, was nothing more than an Elvira imitation, which my rebuttal is, what the hell's wrong with that? Yeah. Because we all know Trey loves Elvira. Uh, and she told Fangoria in a 1988 interview was when she said that. But then after the script went through multiple revisions, she became so enamored with the role that she turned down other projects to ensure that she had ample time to prepare for this one. And she did a good job. She's a good villain in this. It makes sense uh, for the character and everything. Like I said, all that, the way it was, you know, the core story here is good. The characters are pretty, are, are good. It's just nobody's funny. Mm-hmm. And that this is a com- comedy horse. I mean, is it? It's sick. It's at least 70 percent horror, thirty percent comedy. But again, as I said earlier, in the first one, the comedy lands. It has that tongue-in-cheek aspect to it the whole time. Mm-hmm. This one is just like pretty serious. And then, wah wah, joke doesn't land. Ha ha, funny part. Actual funny part. Repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, now this I thought this was interesting because. Uh, you know, this is kind of, you know, when you want a sequel, you want, you know, you like to see the returning characters, which we got the main two, which is really what we needed for a sequel to this, uh, to the original. But an early draft of the script actually included both Amy Peterson, which was Amanda Bierce's character, and Evil Ed, which is played by Stephen Joffrey's returning. However, neither of them who played the roles were impressed with the material and decided not to come back. Uh, Amanda Bierce was kind of busy with Married with Children, obviously, which she was on for multiple seasons, most of the run of that series. That series lasted, I think, for maybe ten, at least eight or nine, eight or ten seasons, maybe. At ten years, so. So eight or at least eight to ten. I mean, ten years, so eight to nine to ten seasons. She was in two hundred fifty nine episodes. God, uh, looks like eleven seasons. Oh, they must have done that thing. They might, you know, episode count. You, know, they might have that for, typical TV shorter first season gets yeah. renewed for the second, catches on. So like shorter, those initial seasons are shorter, and then they bounce to the. And they get, you know, they get renewed and they get the, they've got an order for another 20 episodes, et cetera, et cetera. They're all on Hulu. So I was watching a bunch. Oh yeah. We started that. Not and too long ago. Got caught up on something else. Uh, 
So anyway, uh, Stephen Jeffries then returns because he was offered the lead role in 976 Evil in 1988, which was directed by Robert England. Uh, and as a result, the script changes were made to reveal that Evil Ed was, in fact, killed by Peter Vincent, unlike the ending of the original, where it alludes to where he might still be alive. Uh, and then in a cutscene from part two, uh, Charlie actually explains Amy's whereabouts, stating that she dated, uh, she started dating a lot of older men, and they all vaguely resembled Jerry Dandridge. And then uh, one of them on the bank, she married him and moved to Houston. So uh, after, and then after they passed on, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey's passed on the part for reprising Evil Ed, that character's pretty much rewritten into the character of Louis, which was then played by John Rhymes with Fry's Grise. Gotcha. So, uh, which he's a, I mean, when you see him in this, you'll recognize him. He's, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's a character actor. He's one of those, I know that guy from something. And if you look at his credits, there'll be, you will, you will see something like, oh, that's what I know him from. He's one of those kind of characters. Character actors, I should say, and characters as well. After he landed the role of Richie, uh, which was uh, Charlie's roommate in this one, uh, Merritt Buttrick was diagnosed with AIDS. And the reason I had this bit of trivia, or this in here, because how the times change. Like we talked last week about certain things, how times change at the end of the episode. Uh, Of course, in the 80s, people were terrified of AIDS. They had no idea how you got it. Uh, They thought it was just a, a gay person disease. There was, uh, you know, there was a lot of ignorance about it. The government, you know, dismissed it as well. You know, one of Reagan's shortcomings was his ignorance and ignoring of the AIDS epidemic at the time. But uh, anyway, but uh, he was diagnosed with it. And at that time, people considered it was considered, I mean, today people live a very long time with HIV. It's not like it was in the 80s. Like by the time they diagnosed you, it was already full blown AIDS and you're on your way out. Mm hmm. And that's, you know, that was kind of what it was considered then. And that's what he thought it was. And so, but he wanted to do the movie before he died and was very candid with the crew about his health. So everybody knew it. He told it, he was up front with it, told everybody about it. So the crew, they took great precautions to ensure that the vampire fangs wouldn't actually prick his skin and actually draw blood. Wow. So, which is exactly, you know, even today, that's what they would do as well, because now we know how it's transmitted. And we also know, you know, that you can hug somebody with AIDS. You can't get it from a toilet seat. I remember. I remember as a kid, when we we went out, my parents would tell me like, you know, pad the seat when if you got to go to the bathroom. Not necessarily because of AIDS, but there was a fear. That was a fear, a real fear at the time, because people did not know. They didn't know that AIDS was you know shared from bodily fluids. You know, you could you couldn't get it from kissing somebody on the cheek. You couldn't get it from giving somebody a hug. So, but I mean, different time. People didn't know. People were overly cautious about this mysterious disease that was killing people. Uh, So it's a testament to the time, but also him, you know, at the time being brave, you know, stunning and brave. Uh, I say that facetiously, Mm. Uh, but truly brave, you know, to come out about, I have this disease, I'm on this movie. And also they didn't replace him. A credit to the the crew, you know, they could have, oh, you know, insurance companies at the time, could have, you know, had made them fire him as a hazard because we can't have you infecting Roddy McDowell. This we don't know what this disease is, you know. So honestly, it's a real credit to everybody involved with keeping him on the set. Mm-hmm. I'd say, you know, at that time for him dealing with that that disease. And actually, click on him, Merritt Buttrick. I mean, again, he's a small character. I didn't put him in the cast, but uh, he did in eventually. Actually, one year later, uh, same uh, before this film actually released over here, he passed away March seventeenth, nineteen eighty nine. St. Patty's Day. He looks from... Wait a second. Holy shit. Okay, I should have mentioned him because he played Kirk's son in Star Trek 2. 
Ah. I didn't rec- I did not recognize him in this film at all. Kind of looks like him. David. Yeah. Wow. My my mistake for omitting him uh, <laughs> from this. Because uh, it seems like he was in something else we might have covered as well. Maybe I'm just I'm just looking at his history. Nope. nope, just that. Star Trek II. We covered I think we covered Star Trek II, I believe. So that must yeah. have been what it was. That, that would have been what it was would have been Obviously from. Obviously a TV series and then that. Yeah. I wow. I mean I and if you look at his IMDb picture and see him in this movie, you can tell that he was sick. Very, mm. very thin. Very. In fact, the scene we were watching where the guy was being dissolved by the holy water, that was him. Okay. So very, you know, just a shame. Mm. And a good actor. He's great in Star Trek. Uh, two and three. So such a shame. Uh, the character of Boz, which was, moderate, was actually mild. Mild. Modeled after Brian Bosworth and Brian Thompson landed the role because he looked like him. And if you look at them side by side, they absolutely look like each other. <laughs> they could be brothers, maybe stepbrothers. We'll call it that. Uh, and in January in 2017, in terms of recent news, Tom Holland announced that he was writing a Fright Night 3 novel and that in 2019, which is this year, he would obtain the rights to the franchise and that a third film would be happening. As of October 17, 2019, ain't heard shit. So I don't know if it, it ends at the stroke of midnight on December 31st or what. So, But there is a very real possibility of this series coming back. However, in terms of the original cast, I mean, you know, William Ragsdale, well, uh, I'll have to say Will Nafoe for some stupid reason. Uh, Ronnie McDowell, you know, it's obviously since passed away. So not, you know, Amanda Beers is obviously still alive. There's still, there's still evil, evil Ed's still alive. The actor's still alive. So, I mean, there's, Still plenty of people alive from the film. However, you know, got to get a good story. That's gonna, I guess that's going to be key. But, I mean, if you just get Ragsdale or you do a complete reboot. But they've already done that. They've already remade it and rebooted it practically after remaking it. So a little confusing as far as that goes. But, hey, I'll trust Tom Holland. He created Child's Play and he did Fright Night. He look, His Wikipedia picture looks, he looks like Tom Atkins without a mustache. Tom Atkins, star of Halloween 3, Night of the Creeps. Mm. The fog. Yeah, he looks just like Tom Atkins, aside from the mustache. I wonder. They're probably the same goddamn person. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, oh I'm, oh, I'm acting. He turns away from camera, puts on the mustache. <laughs> oh, you mean Tom Atkins, not Tom Holland? <gasps> Holy shit, Tom Holland. Tom. Conspiracy created. Conspiracy solved. So he founded the horror company Dead Rabbit Films, and the first feature was the remake of Fright Night. Now, was that the 2011 remake? <laughs> I hope so. I would think so. This is the most recent thing. Because, like, oh, that's going to always reference that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, not saying. Hard to say. Because, I mean, again, like I said, the Fright Night 2 that well, you see in 2013 or wherever. It's credited as a writer for it. So, story yeah, only, but, though. I was about to say. Okay, well, that must be it then. So, yeah. So, that one was successful. So, him doing a third one, I'm completely on board with Reach it. Reach out to us. We'll talk to you. Yeah, we got ideas. Well, we can, I mean, we can... <laughs> I'm sure you have ideas. I meant to Probably. talk about it. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, we know our shit. You know what? Let's go for a pitch. Full on pitch. Let's yeah. Fright Night 3 and then just draw a dollar symbol. <laughs> Fright Nights with a dollar symbol. <laughs> and that's all we got. That's, that's all we got. got. Yep. <laughs> we're, trying to, we're trying to get you the money so you can write the script, Tom. Right. I mean, Tom Holland. I mean, Tom Atkins. <laughs> And, sh- and there you go. Friday Night 3 should star Tom Atkins because I've never seen Tom Holland and Tom Atkins in the same place. Oh, there you go. Not that I've seen either of them. <laughs> I'd love to meet either. 
Or either, depending on how you like to pronounce it. Either, either. That doesn't look quite Tom Hopkinsy. I mean, uh, Tom Atkinsy. Tom Hopkins. I'm thinking that's a fucking university. <laughs> Too many Toms and Kins that I'm talking about here. But anyway, Me, Tom Dick and Harry's. Score wise, uh, it's not a. This isn't a bad movie, you know. And I don't. I don't disagree with any either the. IMDb or the Rotten Tomatoes, either way, I'd give it a five. It's middle of the road, but honestly, I would if it didn't have William Ragsdale and mainly uh, Roddy McDowell, it'd probably be a three. Mm. You know, it's just there's there's it's again, it's just not bad. It's definitely it feel you know without having those original cast members come back, if minus them, it's just the charm's not. There's no reason to watch it really at that point. You know, you're watching it because of the continuation of the story, so you have to have that backstory. Otherwise, this is meaningless, which, I mean, that goes for any sequel. Duh. But, I mean, in terms of this one, if, let's say, they recasted Ragsdale or Charlie or didn't have Charlie or just had Charlie and didn't have Peter Vincent, you know, you're missing a vital part of the formula that made the original so good. So, you know, worth watching if you haven't seen it for sure. But it's not it's not the first one. You know, the first one is the best one. And, you know, like I said, the remake I put up there right with the first one. Uh, that was a remake that was done with love and reverence for the original, unlike many other remakes that we see yeah. that are bad. But uh, in the real world, this film came out May 19th, 1989. Uh, in that same time period, that was when the Tiananmen Square protests were happening, much like their protests are happening uh, today yeah. in China, Thirty, uh, nearly uh, you know, over 30 years later. Uh, uh, but on this exact day... Uh, Zhao Jiang actually met with demonstrators in Tiananmen Square. So in terms of the timeline of it, that's where they were at. But much like today, the sign hanging above Jonestown, those who do not learn from the past, they're destined to repeat it. We're everything cyclic. We're talking about Fright Night 2 from 1989 and same things going on in the real world. So fucking crazy, man. It is. Uh, Back to the Future, got a, actually a couple of relevant things to talk about this week. Uh, first of all, uh, saw one of what I would say one of the best films of the year, Little Monsters. No, not the Howie Mandel, Fred Savage, what my wife would say classic. I wouldn't go quite that far, but granted I haven't seen it since it came out on VHS. Uh, but the new film starring uh, Nepito, I can't always butcher her name, Lupong, Lupongo, always butcher her name, but one of my favorite working actresses. I've seen everything that she, when I look at our interview history, I've seen everything she's done, and she has always been fantastic. And in this film, oh my God, I was, I was, I fell in love with her. So, I mean, I've always been in love with her, but I mean, it's just her characterness is just so, I don't know, just so cute and great film. If you don't know what it's about, don't watch anything about it. It's on Hulu. So, you don't, if you have Hulu, you can watch it for free, mm-hmm. at least in America. But it's got Josh Gad in it. Uh, actually, uh, ben, our friend in Australia, I believe it takes place in Australia, so, or at least part uh-huh. of it does. So, uh, uh, something to uh, give you an extra reason to watch it. However, absolutely, in terms of the film I've seen this year, it's in the, probably the top three. Wow. It, it was hilarious. It was well done. It was well shot. I'm laughing the, in, ha- the entire time. I'm going to uh, watch this at the Halloween party. Hell yeah. Outside. Good I haven't call. seen it yet, so Don't, that'd be the time on, to see Stop it. watching the trailer. It, <laughs> it, it, this, this film has, last week I raved about Joker. This, as of today, without looking at everything that came out, this is my second favorite film of the year. Hmm. It's that good. Wow. I've, 
you know, they should have released it at theaters. Great cast. The first the first 20 minutes of the movie, I'm like, is this the right movie? Because I knew what it was about because we saw, actually saw the trailer before. That's the funny thing. Saw the trailer for it before Joker, yeah. but it released on Hulu. That is strange. I only knew it from the Hulu commercials. Yeah. So I don't know if it, it maybe had a Fright Night 2 thing, had limited theatrical distribution, and then Hulu bought the rights to it to show it for Huluween. Right. Uh, I have no clue, but watch this movie. I will. It is absolutely. It is. It is a absolute fantastic great time. Just I'm just dying. Like there, there, there are so many parts that are just I can close my eyes and I can see them and I just want to like I can laugh. It make it can make me laugh again. Hmm. And again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but you know, and whenever you have kids in a movie, mm-hmm. it's so hard. I think for it's hit or miss. I guess I should say. Right. Uh, Kindergarten cop. Great job. The kid, you know, they had, well, of course, Miko Hughes was one of those kids, one of the best child actors there was in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Gage in Pet Cemetery, the kid, the son in New Nightmare. But of course, everybody knows him as boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Yeah. And then, of course, the bully or the in Full House, or not a bully, but picked on Michelle or something in Full House. You've seen this kid. Sure. Uh, you know, so usually in films where you have. A lot of child actors. I'm a little like, uh, you know, because you, you know, you, I mean, you know, but this film, every kid in it is did fantastic. Hats off to all you kids in this film. Uh, but I mean, this is this Little Monsters is a movie, much like Joker, where the whoever directed it had a vision and production design, cinematography, music, acting, script, everything fits. Mm-hmm. It is co- it co- it's cohesive as you're watching it, and it is absolutely hilarious, and it's it's got the gore to back it up, and it is great. Don't watch a trailer if you have if you haven't even heard of this. Just watch it. I'm telling you, just watch it. It's fantastic. Uh, second uh, relevant film I want to bring up. Speaking of Rob Zombie earlier, Three from Hell came out on digital. Watch that. As anybody who's listened to any Halloween or horror episode where we talk about a remake and we usually bring up Rob Zombie, somehow it comes to that. Uh, again, I don't hate the guy. I, I think he shouldn't write, direct, music produce, cast his wife, and you know just do everything. You know, he's one, it's one of the, all of his stuff's always one of those things where you see his name twenty times in the credits. I need to see your name once, Rob, and I think you would excel as as a just a director. Because you have a great visual style, but you're writing your own shit, and that's it's not working. You're not a good writer. <laughs> uh, now, however, of course, many people like people Rob Zombie fans always like Devil's Rejects is a masterpiece. It's you know it's definitely his. I'd say his. I like Lords of Salem. I think that's better than Devil's Rejects because I don't like Devil Rejects. I guess succeeds because it makes you uncomfortable because you're they want you to root for bad like truly horrible people mm-hmm. as opposed to Joker where you're watching the world basically crush this person until that's what he's for, you know, that's what it's forced him to become. Yeah. Whereas Devil's Rejects, you know, I mean, these people are homicidal maniacs and they're being made out to be heroes, which it works for that film. Absolutely. Uh, Sid Haig's phenomenal as Captain Spaulding. Always, he was always, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago or whenever it was in the, in House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. That's why I like rewatching those movies. Him and honest, and Bill Mosley's hilarious too. Although you know, like the email we had last week about the, you know, my 
uh, as they said, sophomoric use of the word fuck. No, <laughs> as I said, they know I said, Rob Zombie has a sophomoric use of the word fuck. I have a junior or a bare minimum junior, <laughs> but honestly, senior level use of the word fuck, sir. Uh, but that being said, Three from Hell was probably, in terms of everything, because again, my problem was not Rob, Wob, 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 with Rob Zombie is he does everything. However, in Three from Hell, I don't know if it's age, even though he's way older than me. I don't know how I don't know if he's way older than me or not, but he's older than me. Uh, at least I hope so. <laughs> I hope I'm not older than <laughs> he Rob is Zombie. Younger than you. No. No fucking way. Uh, but anyway, there was restraint with this film. Yeah, oh, way younger. He's 14. He's 15 years older than me. It's only uh, 15 years. <laughs> In 15 years, that's what you'll look maybe like. I'll, Rob yeah. Zombie. I just want to have half yeah. of his net worth. <laughs> yeah. I want to have a quarter of his net worth. <laughs> you know, but uh, oh, honestly, man. you know, I bag on him all the time on here. Uh, just about like, you know, what he did to Halloween. And uh, you know, I do think he's a bit overrated. Shouldn't write and direct his own stuff. However, Three from Hell, I thoroughly enjoyed. And I say that, you made a weird face. <laughs> Were you reading something or did yeah. I shock you by saying One that? One of the uh, questions on Google is, who's Rob Zombie's daughter? Sheree Moon Zombie, born in 1970, which makes her 49 years old. He is 54 years old. Yeah, that's Some his about wife. That doesn't Somebody... Work. Somebody just didn't read the question. I got gotcha. correctly because yeah, I was like, yeah. How is his daughter six years? He was a hell of a six year old. He was a year old. He was he was five or six year old. But so anyway, that's just not right. You know, uh, but you know, in in three from hell, it was. I think it was much better shot than a lot of his previous stuff. He still has that grit to it. And aside from like the movie, like I say, I'm sorry, the like the film cutaways. I'm sorry, newscast cutaways and that kind of stuff. Uh, the actual dialogue was, a, I would say, a step up for a zombie. There wasn't so much like bagel fucking and fuck this, you motherfucker, fucking fuck, 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 which is riddled in most of his stuff. Right. Uh, so uh, I'll give, I'll, you know, I don't think it's not, it wasn't more enjoyable in terms of Devil's Rejects. And I give a lot of credit that to Sid Haig's Captain Spaulding because Captain Spaulding is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, but this one, of course, I mean, this is Sid Haig's last movie, and, you know, they only had him for a day. You know, and, of course, he recently passed away, and, you know, he, you know, he he's on it. You can tell. You know, it's sad when you see him in this mm. and how they write him out of it. Uh, I do say it's absolutely cheap that you say that they survived the gunshot wounds from the end of Devil's Rejects. That's a cheap out just to get back into the movie. It's called Three from Hell. You know, I think it could have been worked to where, like, you know, they all flatlined or something, but they can't, you know, they were resuscitated. So, like, it's almost like they came back. Makes a little more sense, I'd say. Although one of the three isn't, you know, because Captain Spaulding, spoiler, it gets dead by lethal injection in this film after his brief uh, interview part. And they bring in, uh, go back to the cast, I forget his name, Blake William, Richard Blake, excuse me, not Blake. Uh, he's been in a lot of Rob Zombie stuff. Uh, character actor. He was in Doom. <laughs> the uh, oh fuck, the rock version. Right. Uh, right. Not not the rock in terms of musical genre, which would be badass. You know, a rock musical of Doom. The one with the sweet uh, first person view thing. You know, goofy, but 
you know, memorable. Uh, you know, <laughs> good job, like trying to incorporate that in the in the movie. Like I watch, we uh, we we re- if I can't speak, fuck. We rewatched that not too a uh, year or two ago, maybe just you know one of those because it's on Netflix or something. It was on something streaming. It's like oh, let's take mm-hmm. a look at it. You know, we watched Autumn never saw it, and and again, The Rock's in it, worth watching. And Carl, I mean Carl Urban again, uh, phenomenal. And for what they tried to do, not bad, cheesy, yes, but. It's doom, you know, so it's one of those things that I'm going to laugh at it, but at the same time inside, I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah if they, if they, you're listening to this on iTunes, we watch these scenes on YouTube, but we have like this 80s filter on now. It actually looks way cooler this way. <laughs> it's a little blurry. <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> it's, blurry. Yeah, that's it. It takes away the sharp edges. Well, that's why I've said before, like, uh, I still have, I have all the Friday the 13th, I have all the horror franchises in HD. But I also still have my DVD copies. I'll never get rid of those yeah. of like the Friday the 13th and all that because there is something about watching those older movies in 480p where everything's a little blurry. It hides, you know, when you watch any 80s horror movie in HD, no matter if uh, Rick Baker or Tom Savini did the effects, in HD, you see the difference, difference in skin tones. You see the movie magic. Yeah. You know, that, that is the cost of high definition when it comes to the older stuff. Like I said before, perfect example. Heartbreaking example is seeing those wires on Christopher Reeve when he's flying because I didn't know he didn't. I didn't know he wasn't Superman. You know, it's like, yes. you know that, that's that, you know, when you're a kid, especially when you're a kid, when you see that stuff, you're like that ruined that ruins it for you as a kid. Because, you know, you're watching you're like, wow. Yeah, you don't, you don't see that as an adult. You know, of course, of course, you know Christopher Reeve can't fly. They're not really killing these people. You know that zombies aren't. You know, monsters aren't real. I mean, oh, actually, monsters are real, and they're us. Uh, that's a fact. Mm. Uh, but anyway, you know, so there's that there's that suspension of disbelief. And when you watch '80s movies on even on VHS, you know, I'm mm. I'm not gonna go out and buy a go to a Urban Outfitters and get the new VHS for four hundred dollars so I can watch my old vintage VHSs. Records are, I'm sure VHS is going to have its thing. It's like VHS is coming back. Well, honestly, uh, there's a uh, what's it? Well, along this in the same vein, there's a company called Limited Run Games, and then they put out like they put out older games like Corpse Killer, keeping it thematic with Halloween from Sega CD. Was they released that? They're releasing that for PS4 and modern systems. They release re-release Night Trap. A lot of those old games like that. They re-released uh, one of my. Favorite NES games, Metal Storm. And I was like, holy shit, Metal Storm? I'll play it on PS4. No, they're not releasing it on PS4. They re-released it in an NES cartridge. Uh, some of the Friday, uh, Never Hike Alone, one of the Friday 13th fan films, I believe they had a package that, re- that uh, like a donation level thing where they re- they sent you the movie on VHS. Like a, you had a VHS copy. Uh, the Stranger Things Blu-ray sets, which were on sale for 10 bucks at Target, which... Ten bucks. I picked up the first one, not season two. Nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> uh, so, I, but, but the and honestly, it, it was worth it for me for ten bucks just for the packaging because the packaging is VH is a VHS. It looks exactly like those old movies you'd go and get get back in the day. The second, excuse me, I saw. I thought it was just like a T-shirt in a box or something. No, it's the it's the season. I'm like, holy shit! Yes, ten bucks. You got my money. But I mean, even like the fake stickers on the front and everything. I mean, it's those little details. That all you young people that happen to be listening, uh, you know, you know, it's going to be like that for y'all. I'm like, wow, 
Is that an iPhone X? I haven't seen one of those in years. Yeah. It's like that now with like the iPhone too. Yeah, I, or yeah, you know, I remember my I, I remember my iPhone didn't have anything after it. iPhone. <laughs> then they made them square. Yeah. Now they're sleek again. There's no buttons on them. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. That's weird. But, Mine still has a button. Well, the <laughs> X's and ten, or excuse me, tens and all that. No buttons on the front. Fancy Swiped button. open. Button. Old phone. <laughs> Your phone six. has a button. You're so 2018. Yep. I'm 2008. <laughs> yep. But anyway, watch Little Monsters. Uh, oh, but uh, Three from Hell. I'll, also, I'll give, I will always give credit where credit is due. Sherry Moon Zombie did not annoy me in this film. And she usually does. She's like, Titty fucking Freddy. From Devil, you know, all, and just. <laughs> anno- annoying me, annoyed the piss out of me in Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. And also, she was gorgeous in Three from Hell. A little bit of age on her. Not saying that makes women more pretty. I'm just saying that I, I, I was enamored with her in this. I thought she looked fantastic. Uh, of course, what does the Devil's Re? I mean, I'm sorry, House of a Thousand Corpses. It's a bunch right of different there. clips of her. Yeah, but in this one, and, and she also she, is. she also did great in Lords of Salem, and on, and to be honest, she wasn't bad in Halloween two or even Halloween one. She was playing different characters, but this particular character I hated until Three from Hell, because she wasn't just screaming. <laughs> she has a couple of moments where she does it because that is the character, but again, I think Rob Zombie had restraint a little bit, a little bit of restraint with this film, with Three from Hell, and. To me, in terms of um, from that aspect of it, made it incredibly more watchable. Although story-wise, you're just rehashing the big hit moments of Devil's Rejects again, so you're basically just remaking your own movie, sort of, <laughs> sort of with it. But nevertheless, it's worth watching. Uh, it's got uh, again for the performances in terms of uh, Bill Mosley. Briefly seeing Sid Haig, which is, is more sad than anything, just makes like, oh, man, like how great it would have been to have Captain Spaulding in this one. Although Richard Brake comes in and, has, you know, they got some good stuff. Although I do have to ding him his dialogue for when they just have a discussion about these two homicidal maniacs are just having a discussion about, well, I got a plan like the Wild Bunch. I can't remember what movie they're referencing, but, they you know, it's one of those blatant movie references where then they talk about, I'm, I'd be Groucho, you'd be this Mark's brother, blah, 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 which is meta because... Otis Driftwood is a pseudonym of Groucho Marx. And I think Captain Spaulding was too, because Rob Zombie loves the Marx Brothers. I could be a little mistaken on some of those names, but because uh, again, I don't research all that much yeah. for zombie stuff. Because we're not. You know, this was about Fright Night Part Two, and this is just the Back to the Future segment. Sure. However, go see Little Monsters. Hundred uh, highest possible recommendation on Little Monsters. And if you've seen the other Rob Zombie films, or you want to watch a movie you haven't seen this Halloween, you know, Three Miles worth a watch. And again, it's not really a horror movie. They do a couple of horrific things, but it's it's nowhere near. There's no tension like in Devil's Rejects. There was tension like, what the fuck are these people gonna do next? Yeah, that I guess, I guess that's kind of the not the saving grace. I guess you know, I I guess that might be why people really like it so much is because it was just like maybe there was tension in it. Like, what are they? Gonna, oh, they're talking to this woman. Are they gonna murder this woman? Or are they? Are they not? I guess maybe that's why well, they you know, won't. They yeah, choose your own adventure. If you think <laughs> Otis will shoot this woman in the face, turn to page twelve. Like if Ross he lets and Rachel her live, for friends. <laughs> Will they? Won't they? You were on a break. I don't. That's all. I, I don't watch Friends. Never I did. That's the Will they? Won't they? That I can recall. But I know that's the only quote I know is. Oh, we were on a break. 
If that's the people problem. post, if it is the correct yeah. thing, I have no clue. I just see memes and I repeat what the internet tells me to do. So I was a Seinfeld guy. Yep, Wasn't a Friends too. guy. Fuck friends. <laughs> Fuck friends. Autumn rewatched every episode. Friends. Thankfully, while she was on maternity leave, so I don't have to be subject to it. I'm sorry. I don't get friends. I've watched episodes. It's not funny to me. However, it is funnier than Big Bang Theory, which I still don't get that show. I think it's done, isn't it? I hope so. Praise God. <laughs> I want to say it's done. You know, they can't pay those people forever. Yeah. And wait, from 2007? Holy shit. It's stayed around a long time. Wow. God. <laughs> How did... Big Bang Theory from 2007 to 2019, 281 episodes. Wow, Married with Children did almost that many in 10 yeah. years. They didn't need... What was that? 15? Ugh, I don't get I it. I guess that's the end. I just... I have no idea. I mean, it's just not for me. If you love it, fantastic. I'm happy for you. Not my cup of vodka or i don't know whatever uh anyway got a ton of emails to get to so let's get we're gonna get on to that uh real quick and might i add all emails that are good like literally like again all emails are good like jesse said <laughs> but like these are some good ones so we'll get right into it because uh, there's a lot of them uh, this first one is from Ross Jacobs. He says, Welcome back, guys. Hey, Trey and Jesse. Glad to be getting a podcast notification from you guys again and hearing you discuss the movies we all love. I am indeed another of your UK listeners, and I finally listened to all the previous episodes, so I need more content. Keep up the great work, and feel free to curse as much as you want. Kind regards, <laughs> Ross J. Where's well, a big fuck well, you to Ross? to the whole thing. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so when I say fuck you to Ross, that's a, it's, it's a term of endearment. We'll much like, you know. Uh, and other people. Yeah. There, we'll just yeah. keep that playing. There you go. <laughs> I don't know the British. You watch on YouTube. We got the flag flying. Yeah. So no, no Union Jack as it is. And for all of our UK listeners, if I ever offend you with my UK accent, I'm just a, I'm bad at accents. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it is. So this, I try to talk like yeah. when I try to talk like this, I imagine the old lady from Sweeney Todd selling a meat pies. That's I'm just trying to imitate her. Can't do that on the UK tour. Nope. All right. <laughs> we'll get we'll get shanked in the fucking alley, mate. Yeah. You've reached so many shit. Again, sorry. Sorry, our UK. We just lost every UK. Let's yeah. like, fuck this guy. Fuck, fuck this guy. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, speaking of UK, our good friend UK Lee <laughs> says, Hey, guys, hope you're both well. Loved all caps. The Day of the Dead episode It's my favorite one out of uh, out of them all. I remember being quite young when I watched it. Uh, around a friend's house after school, and we thought the head-ripping-off scene was real because it looks so good. Absolutely. I agree with the soundtrack. Fantastic synth, which suits the tone. I listened to the episode while I was on a plane, so I was laughing when you said me about me min- uh, mentioning on my email about traveling around Europe. We're not rich or anything. It's just my girlfriend been booking the same weeks off work as I have, so we booked good deals away for a week on holiday websites. Went to Budapest anyway, and it's a very interesting city with lots of World War II history. Went to a cave, which was turned into a hospital in World War II, then turned into a nuclear bunker, so that was interesting. Uh, Hey, well, now you know where to go. There's a zombie outbreak like Day of the Dead. Get to Mm -hmm. Budapest. Yeah. And go to that place. Apart from uh, just been working and watching things, watch all the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. I haven't got to watch that yet. Uh, Just waiting for Halloween to get over because I want to fit in nothing but horror movies. Uh, the new Rambo movie, which is like Home Alone X-rated at the end. I want to see that so bad, but it's already been pushed out of theaters here pretty much. There's like one random showtime. Yes. Uh, yes. I was going to say, because you know, I did see it. I went to a theater recently. So. I was just like, I mean, it, it, ain't been out, it hasn't been out that long. So I was just like, God damn it. 
Yep. Uh, should have saw that before we saw Joker because we were talking about seeing Rambo or Joker. In hindsight, should have saw, saw Rambo, but just wasn't thinking because all the hype for Joker wanted to see it ASAP. Mm. Uh, but I will see it, mark my words, as soon as I can. Uh, just been choosing random things on Netflix to watch as well, which is always good because there's some hidden gems on there that you've never heard of. Looking forward to your next show, even if I have to wait and check daily in a dark room and smash my head against the mirror every time there's no new one. Haha, <laughs> all the best, Lee. P.S. Enjoy the YouTube video I'm going to send you the link to. Uh, in fact, Jesse, let me forward this to you so you can get that up so we can, because he sent it, but I didn't watch it yet. Uh, let me just get it while I'm talking. Anyway, thanks for the email as always. Uh, Lee, uh, did I not, I must've moved it to the work folder. Hold on. God damn it. I don't have access to that email. <laughs> well, the password, uh, oops, or I sorry. don't, I don't access the email. Let me put it. Okay. That actually, uh, the title, uh, go to YouTube and just search Jason Voorhees, Every Life I Take, which is an Every Breath You Take parody. <laughs> so now I'm really excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Scared. Oh, that's fine. I put in four by three, too. So can we play get, this? We're... All the drummers, Pamela Voorhees from part three, Undead Pamela Voorhees. Let's get the actual audio going. There we go. So Jesse's... I mean, Jesse. Jesse is here, but Jason's playing the... Uh, that, that wouldn't be a cello, would it? That would just be a stand-up bass? or upright bass, yeah. yeah. Not some random person just playing guitar, though. <laughs> just a random person. <laughs> He's the only person they knew that would uh, play the guitar. He's like, I'm not dressed. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this dumb shit. <laughs> By the way, we we're not wearing earphones, so we have no idea how that sounds on the podcast. Yeah, so it sounds like shit. Sorry. Apologies. But if it sounds good, there you go. We meant to do that. Enjoy. <laughs> oh yeah, I was about to say that looks just like the scene from Part Four. It was. Oh, they just took it? Yeah. This little, like, bobbins when... Actually, no, that's part... That's part four. Pretty sure it's four. Great job with the... They did a good job with the lyrics on this, which are closed captioned. Yeah. I made sure to include that because it was off screen at the beginning. I'm not familiar with the original video. I wonder how close they got to that. It was black. I remember it was black and white. Uh, okay. Very similar to like, you know, them just playing in the black and white room. The voice is down. The voice sounds like the original. Still yeah, not putting on a mask, guys. Not doing this. <laughs> this nope. Nope. Like, who is he? <laughs> like, don't even show him. Just some dude. Just show Pamela and Jason. Would have been funny to show out of Kruger mask or a Myers mask. Just throw it in there. What a... It's funny. The drummer, which is undead, Pamela Voorhees, actually looks like Peter Chris from Kiss without makeup. <laughs> Today. Yeah, right, these four. are actually yeah. Now we're just a podcast that watches other videos. Yeah. This is a reaction <laughs> podcast. There you go. And we're not even reacting. We're just enjoying it. It's well done. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is... These are the type of videos that... 
you know, we should be considering making rather than... Yeah. We were talking about this beforehand, like, you get... We just have to make shorts and stuff like that. This is great. I'm going to, like, rip the audio of this and add it to my Halloween playlist. <laughs> There's also... Uh, I'll show. Uh... Lee, thanks for sharing it. Absolutely, I've not seen this until this moment. But also, there's uh, there's another one like it's Slash Street Boys. I've seen it shared on Facebook. I don't know if you've yeah, seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's high quality video. Yeah, it's really well done. But it's all the slashers. Yeah. Uh, another, it's a very similar parody video. But uh, absolutely, thanks for sharing that, my friend. I appreciate it. That 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 that's a that's a that's that's a well done one. They par- it's an actual parody of the original video, which works. The lyrics are on point. They're not, there's no stretches that I caught this, this first watch as we're talking. And the dude nails the voice. But this is the Slash Street Boys. Yeah, yeah. We'll just give it a little listen for everybody and then yeah. we'll move on. I say, same font. You on fire. Is the same people? Could be. The dude's got me. I didn't even look at who did it. Like the last one. When I say. You know, when back, like when there was all Backstreet Boy and Sync thing, like I didn't give a shit about any of them. Like I didn't, I didn't you know, I mean, I listened to all kinds of music on my own, but I like, I just, you know, but then this, when uh, I wanted that, like I was like, oh shit, I really kind of like this song. <laughs> oh no, what does this mean for me? No, but I, I, you know, if I had to pick a side in that Civil War, it'd be Team Backstreet Boys. The only NSYNC song I'd even give consideration to is Bye Bye Bye, and that's just because it's fun to hear. It's a fun song. But, I mean, all these songs were made to be catchy. Yeah. But, I mean, there were more, back, there were more catchy Backstreet Boys songs that I heard than NSYNC songs. NSYNC just annoyed me with all their, I can't remember, but just like, you know, dreamy looking at the camera. Where Backstreet, there's a Backstreet Boys video that were in space, like fighting show. Like, no, this is cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is what it should be. Or like that, everybody they go to the haunted house. And yeah. Like, yeah. Fancy dance. yeah. There's some, there's some uh, fantastic, like, similar uh, parody videos out there. <laughs> nope. But this one's great too. But yeah, that other one again. Thanks again, me. I appreciate it. Yeah, moving on to some more emails. Got a couple more. Uh, this one is Echo, Echo, Echo from our local friend Sean A. Bear. Or people who aren't from down here would call, say Hebert. So just, it is so just the same people. Oh, the it is? two oh. videos were the same people. Gotcha. Merkins, credit to the Merkins. Absolutely, well done. Yep, well done. Eighties resident seal of approval. <laughs> uh, but he says eighties gods. Oh, first time I've been called a god, aside from my wife in bed. Well, maybe you should read it first. Yeah, oh yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> remember. Anytime somebody says that you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> uh, I have my Ghostbusters socks on earlier, but I didn't, I didn't wear them here because I shower. I always shower before the podcast because I don't yeah. like to feel dirty when I'm talking to all you lovely ladies and gentlemen. But he says, "I'm glad you brought up the echo in the last episode. I thought surely my phone had shit the bed, <laughs> and it was time to get a new one. Glad you got it resolved. I'm glad your phone didn't shit the yes, bed. You have to tell us if you're watching this live and it happens because <laughs> we don't know till later, yep. and that causes a delay in Halloween." It's made us go overboard when it comes to checking sound yes. before we start. And well, we used to do that all the time after like the very first yeah. mess up, and then it was like, oh, wait, but I mess up in like a hundred episodes. <laughs> we got cocky. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but I uh, said, he goes on and says, Trey, I hope we got over your case of sequelitis. I think so. I'm still coughing a bit. Uh, but he says you were hacking a bit on the mic. Great double episode of Psycho Two. <laughs> 
Uh, I really must preserve the Bates Hotel on the Backlot Tour. I remember seeing it for the first time and thought that the house there was first was there first, and they built the unit. Yeah, sorry, they built Universal around it, not realizing it was a set piece. On another note, not once did I think you said the F word too often. Sometimes, if the situation merits it, and reviewing B movies from the eighties, Inner Toxic Avenger, the F word is no stranger. Keep the F bombs coming. I don't curse much, so it keeps the show edgy. Ooh, I'm a god. I'm an edgy oh. god. <laughs> We are edgy God. He said 80s gods, plural. Ah. So uh, to show my no. appreciation for you guys and what you do on the show, I want to send you guys some free tickets to, oh, to go Ooh. to the zoo and aquarium. If you can send me your mailing address, we would be happy to put those in the mail. Anthrax free. Oh, come on. Everybody likes little oh, anthrax. Yeah. I'm referring to the band. CD. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, hell yeah. yeah. Sounds of white noise. A- <laughs> uh, absolutely. Hey, hats off to you, Sean. Much appreciated. Yeah. Uh, I'll uh, respond to you, uh, to you shortly. With that, uh, absolutely. Because in fact, me and Autumn, we have, we have memberships here at the Baton Rouge Zoo. Right. It's no Autumn Zoo, uh, but it's still it's local. We support. I'm, a, I'm. Me and Jesse both have local businesses. We support local businesses. So, but mm-hmm. we had talked recently about. Oh, maybe we take Violet to the Autumn Zoo, and I'm like, yeah. we got see. You know, we got membership passes here, and mainly I don't want to drive an hour with the baby in the car because you just. Now. But now I have a reason to. Yeah. And I will also, Sean, I'll let you know when we're going to. Maybe we can meet up and. Uh, grab something to eat or something if you're working or you know or not off the clock or we can do something. Uh, nevertheless, uh, keep the Halloween episodes rolling. Don't forget to add The Gate to your list soon. It's on there, absolutely. That's my go-to under, underrated and unappreciated horror film with a young Deacon Frost, uh, by the way. Cheers, Sean. Uh, again, Sean, thanks so much, uh, mainly for listening, to be honest, because you know that's that's why we do this. We don't, you know, don't expect anything in return. Like I say before, you know, it's everything. Everything we're sitting here doing is just for the fun of it. And, you know, this is how we communicate with our friends that we've made, especially in the UK and in Australia and everywhere else, but also, you know, literally an hour away. Uh, yeah. And the first of two emails from our good friend and mentioned on the podcast already, Ben Wyatt. First one <laughs> in relation uh, to last week's episode, I propose Jesse invokes a strict time limit for CGI rants. That's all. Love, Ben. XX. <laughs> Which is why I cut myself. I did my own cutoff when we brought it up. So On CGI, uh, really? If you're watching on YouTube, we're watching Part of the Gate, yes. uh, young Stephen Dorff. Because, uh, in fact, I watched it not too long. Oh, I say not too long ago, but again, I'm bad with time frames. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> a few months ago. Uh, and I was like, is that, is, we, always, we don't call him Stephen Dorff. We always call him Deacon Frost because of Blade. And uh, so, is that Deacon Frost? Like, yep. It's like, what uh, is this? Like, it's the gate. And like, I've, you know, of course, my wife's never seen it. Yeah. So, I was like, oh, good. Working on the podcast. But again, this season is sequelitis, but I promise you, Sean, the gate will be covered. Because, you know, honestly, in in terms of movies we haven't done, there's pretty much a load of, you know, what I would, you know, what I consider good horror movies, what, what, you know, non-horror fans would consider like, oh, those, you know, B movies, much like the gate. Or under, you know, under, you know, not well known. I guess would be a better way to put it. And then there's, you know, the other side of it is more of the okay, the the high brow right. content, which you know we tend to stay away from this podcast for the most part because we like to cover like I don't even fun think you've movies, done big or yeah. anything like well, that. I mean, you know, eventually that well, that's a classic, of course. But again, sure. you know, it, it's more fun to talk about a movie that's silly. Mm-hmm. You know, we can review the Last Emperor and Out of Africa if you want, and Gandhi. <laughs> I don't want to have to rewatch those movies. I don't want to watch the four Meryl hours Street of Gandhi movies. or, you know, watch it's Meryl Street month. <laughs> Shoot me now. Good God. Good God. No. That is funny that the ones you named were all 
Oh, yeah. oh, I know the best pictures of the 80s. Yeah. I mean, we at one point, I still have the sheet for Chariots of Fire to do. And, and, and the whole gist of that episode would just be to play the theme song the whole time. And, you know, this movie's good except for the, th- and, you know, it's boring. Here's the real world events. Uh, and the theme song's great. That's the gist Sophie's of that choice. Yeah, let's get rid. Oh, no, <laughs> we covered abortion and shit on Dirty Dancing. Right. We don't need to do the highbrow Kramer versus Kramer and all that kind of stuff to talk about issues. Well, that's we 79, did it. so it's all right. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> good, good. Okay. But yeah, I mean, if you if there's a movie you want to hear me or Jesse talk about, just email it to us. That's fine. We'll eventually work it in, but please do not email me a whole bunch of Meryl <laughs> Streep movies that aren't, you know, De- oh, Death Becomes Her is the 90s, so that wouldn't happen anyway. But yeah, uh, you know, I mean, there, there are plenty of podcasts out there with people who are way more intelligent than me that talk about the yeah. best picture winners. And again, I have considered, like, I have it in my head to do, like, let's do a best picture month, just to do a couple of them. But I mean, the best pictures of the 80s are... You know, not I'm not saying any of them are bad or bad films, but I mean, Chariots of Fire, Ordinary People, Gandhi, Terms of Endearment. Amadeus is a great movie. Yes. Uh, brought, uh, Last Emperor. Well, we did. We already covered Platoon. That's it. Rain Man. I mean, so th- there's some good ones there that we could do. Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, that was one of the it's first. good for Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I mean, I, I, granted, I've only saw it once when it nominees? came out. There's... Now, oh yeah, nominees, absolutely. There's actually a few that have been done. Yeah, fan, yeah, but also there's also some good ones that we haven't done yeah. that are more in the nominee category. Uh, and again, depending on how long this podcast runs, maybe we, you know, we, we've been do, we did the years. Which I think we still got to do 89, maybe in terms of like my choice for the top 10 of the year. Right, right. After that, maybe we can look into like doing like you know the nominees for 80. Although oh, I don't want to watch oh, some no. of those. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that's like getting, it's just like eh, although you know. Seen, you know, seen. I've, I've, I haven't seen ordinary people or tests. Seen Raging Bull. Seen Elephant Man. Coal Miner's Daughter, Miner's of course. Daughter. You know, and then '81. You got Raiders of the Lost Ark. Duh, already yeah. covered. Chariots of Fire. It's so funny when you look at the nominees. Uh huh. And then you know, in '82, E.T. and Tootsie were nominated, but Gandhi wins. Yes. I mean, again, not saying that you know. Of course, for my money, E.T. is the one, the best picture of those. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's like, you know what? I'm bored. Let's fucking watch Gandhi. Yeah. Dude, put on Gandhi. We're going to smoke a bowl and watch Gandhi. I want to get shit faced and watch Gandhi. You know? I don't think the people voting on this are the people who of course get shit faced. Of course not. Well, I'm sure they do. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, there's other ways they do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's watch The Killing Fields again. If you haven't seen The Killing Fields, it's about a very, it's about genocide. So, wow. Two snooze. <laughs> five lines five, five lines. lines five lines I mean stars <laughs> yeah exactly you know so uh, again there's there's plenty of you know critically acclaimed movies we have not touched upon on the mm-hmm. podcast but for my money I want to hear I like hearing people talk about the not so good movies or you know the more genre specific stuff that's the to me that's the fun stuff that's where I obviously get so talking so fast I can't I stutter over words and yeah, say, you yeah. know, a lot and get excited and say, fuck a lot. And that kind of thing. You know, we talk about the last Emperor. It's going to be, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was well shot. Music was great. Won like seven Oscars. Good movie. <laughs> there you go. There's the last, there's the last Emperor. Emperor. We did, we done, done it. Done. So I no, got to title this for this last Emperor. Yeah. <laughs> and got, last Emperor. Slash last Emperor. <laughs> you know, uh, actually, you know what? 86. Well, I haven't seen. 
I was just saying with Platoon and the mission, you got to cut like the mission easily could have taken best picture that year over Platoon. Mm. The mission is, is is a one that's one I'd like to cover on the podcast because it's a really it's a movie that a lot of people probably have never seen, but it's really really good. Uh, De Niro, Jeremy Irons, fantastic, and the score of that film, one of the best. If you if you're a movie score fan, uh, get the soundtrack to the 7. mission. Point four should be higher than that. Should be at least an eight point four. Wow, fantastic, fantastic movie. There's a mini review of it. That's one that we will cover on the podcast because it is a fantastic movie. Uh, I like historical type movies. You know, Gandhi, notwithstanding, I like I'm picking on Gandhi. The mission is on um, YouTube. Excellent. So, so go but anyway, watch it on so Trey's behalf. <laughs> it's a fantastic movie. I promise you, if if you like, uh, you know, if you like historical movies, you know that are you know. Based on a true story slash, you know what I'm saying? Mission's really good. Well, again, has all the elements, much like what I mentioned Little Monsters earlier. Cast, music, directing, cinematography, script, everything comes together for a fantastic film. Absolutely great. Beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, but the, the score alone, I can hear there's a, a track called Gabriel's Oboe. If you want to pick one track to download on iTunes to, or to sample, pick that one. Hmm. Fanta- just beautiful, simple score. But incredibly memorable. If I hear it, I know that's from the mission. It's one of those, like, it's not one of those they put in trailers like they did with the score from Sunshine or uh, what's the other one? Gladiator appeared in uh, right. a lot of uh, trailers after the movie. Like, um, oh, that's, oh, they're using the theme from Gladiator again. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not, it wasn't one of those, but it's it's quality, uh, absolute quality. Uh, but last email of the night, uh, another one from our good friend Ben Wyatt. He says, comics question. He says, hello, my friends. Over the last few weeks, I've re- uh, reached, I'm assuming you watched all the live-action X-Men franchise movies with my kids, except for Dark Phoenix. I'm yet to see yet to see myself. We'll watch this weekend. Get ready. Get ready. That And, and, uh, and he says, anyway, my kids have both become huge X-Men fans. You're parenting win for Ben. Uh, so I thought I'd get them some comics for Christmas. Trey, you're a comic guy, so can you recommend what and where to buy them, please? Also, could you rank the films, too? Uh, mine would probably be, he says, number one, I'll just read down in order. Days of Future Past, Logan, Deadpool 2, Deadpool 1, First Class, The Wolverine, X2, X-Men, and lastly, Apocalypse. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Apocalypse and lastly, uh, Last Stand and Wolverine Origins are interchangeable, but I don't hate it either. Get ready to add Dark Phoenix to that list. Uh, he says the ending of Days of Future Past makes Last Stand worth it. So a lot of questions in there. I'll start, uh, if they haven't, if watch the kids show, the 90s cartoon. Yep. That's better than any of the movies. And uh, they go over the Dark Phoenix thing. Yeah. Uh, and actually they go over it comic accurate pretty much. Uh, so that's my number one recommendation, my friend. Uh, if they haven't watched the 90s cartoon, get them that before you get the comics. Because mm-hmm. uh, the one thing, you know, even as a kid, I know your kids are are, uh, are not old, but, you know, I, I have a 16-month-old. You know, yours, Ben's are Anything older than that, pretty well grown. Yeah, to me. Uh, but the one thing growing up with X-Men comics is they've always been, not like the, the golden age, like, you know, the early X-Men with, you know, when they first came out. Yeah, uh, but I mean, like the '80s X-Men comics and into the '90s, and even to even the the recent runs, the 2000s were a little more kid friendly, so to speak, in terms of some of the storylines. But I mean, in the '80s, you had Dark Phoenix, uh, the Extinction Agenda, uh, you had Claremont's run, which I mean, the X-Men in the comics are 
feared and persecuted. I mean, that's why when you look at an X-Men, if you had to pick the number one villain, who's the X-Men's greatest villain? It's not Magneto. It's not Juggernaut. It's not Mr. Sinister. It's prejudice. It's hate. It's people. And that, you know, in, in, there are, don't get me wrong, there are some kid friendly, you know, ones that they'll, they probably would like, but it's hard for me to recommend some of the comics simply because, and I'm not saying your kids can't handle it or anything like that, because I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the storylines, you know, I mean, and they touch on them in the movies, but they're, they're just not, you know, Logan was the closest one to an X-Men storyline. So, I mean, if, if, if they enjoyed Logan, if you showed them Logan, uh, you know, then, then they'll probably be fine. But I mean, again, the trade paperbacks, a dark Phoenix extinction agenda, uh, days of future past, which is just a couple of issues. It's tiny. Um, I'm missing one. Follow the mutants, uh, in terms of the nineties, uh, fatal attractions. That's, that's, that was a big one when I, I was that. collecting. You had the hologram. Yeah. Everyone uh, had the hologram covers. cover and then you had to get, I think it was X-Men 25 was the issue. Magneto versus Wolverine. Where I mean, everybody knows it happens, but your kids probably don't know. That's the one where he rips out at Wolverine's adamantium. And reading that in 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 the nineties, you didn't have spoilers mm. until you read it, and just and that was a comic. Where I'm like, what? Like <laughs> what just happened? Like, like holy shit! Like they they I guess Wolverine's not a character anymore. <laughs> and then that's followed up with Wolverine seventy five, where uh, I mean, he, I mean, he had his adamantium ripped out. They don't know if he's gonna live. He does obviously he does, and I think it was a couple of issues after that in Wolverine's own comic where they then they reveal like he's like in the, in the, the panels like it's ha- I'm, I'm imitating it on the stream he's like I'm still the best there is at what I do, and then the next panel is just him screaming with, oh the claws are bone, mm-hmm. which was cool, but at the same time if he's about to pop them and he doesn't it, it wasn't like it was I don't know it wasn't shocking as like him getting that amantium ripped out because obviously if he's about to, if he knows that he has claws inside. Or he still knows that he can do it. Why would he? You know, he builds up to a moment where he knows. You know what I'm saying? It's like no. it seems like he's alone in his room. Like I don't have adamantium. Do I have? You know, so he find out in his private moment. You know, but it, it's a comic book moment. It's a great moment. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but yeah, Fatal Attractions. Uh, that, uh, that's the scene right there. Yeah. Like ah, and like everybody, they're watching the danger. Like oh my god, he's that's like that's like four pints of blood. We got to get some help out there. Like everybody's freaking out about it. Uh, mm. I thought it was a, a better moment was when he fights Cypher. Cypher is a character who's dead now because Apocalypse's son had him. He had, uh, Cypher had adamantium lace skin, oh, so his is. skin was yeah, that was his impression. Dude. There you go. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. But uh, anyway, uh, so but Cypher actually the and this was like this was this was more so better than a better cooler instance than the Bone Claw reveal. Wolverine's fighting this dude with no, you know, that was the thing in the comics. He didn't have his adamantium for years. Uh, and they tried to give it back. He reverted to this feral Wolverine, which was absolutely stupid. Anyway, when he has his bone claws, I mean, he's not as, you know, he's not, a, he still has a healing factor, but it's not up to snuff. So Wolverine's like more vulnerable than he's ever been. Well, he's fighting Cypher, who has adamantium lace skin. Your bone claws can't do shit. But then Cypher holds Wolverine's hand down and just steps on his claws and shatters them. Mm. So one hand, he has like, you know, broken bones. As you turn over the course of the next few issues, like his healing factor does regenerate the bones. But that was a moment. That was another like reading it like, holy shit. You know, they're doing some ballsy stuff with Wolverine. 
Oh, oh, uh, I'm just thinking of other, as I'm talking, I'm thinking of other things rec- comics recommend. Age of Apocalypse was good, mm-hmm. although that throws everything on its head. So unless they're really familiar with the characters, they're not going to know, you know, what's done. But Age of Apocalypse was really good. Uh, Extinction, I mentioned the Extinction Agenda. Uh, um, was, uh, the Executioner song was really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, the uh, If they like Deadpool, I'd get them the... Uh, Rob Leefield's first few issues of um, X Force. Uh, you know, I mean, there's you could pretty much go in a comic book store and just grab a trade paperback of X Men, mm-hmm. and unless it's something, there's some bad ones. Don't get me wrong, but for the most part, the the ones I mentioned are the classics that I can yeah. think of. I mean, if I look, I, of course, I went back and looked at my trade paperbacks at home. I could tell you this, this, and this. Oh, X the the '90s X Men Jim Lee Chris Claremont run. I think the tagline, like the, it's, it's like X-Men one through nine from the nineties. Uh, but the trade paperback has like a, uh, X-Men something or other. And that's like usually the one that you can see those in, but that one is probably, that one be really good for your kids because it has Magneto. Uh, a lot of the, the big bads show up in the, in the early run of it. And the artwork is amazing. See, I have those omnibuses. Mm-hmm. I have volume one and two, which covers Jim Lee and Chris Claremont's runs. I also got the omnibus of Age of Apocalypse. Uh, you know, so there, there's a lot of good ones, but the ones I mentioned, of course, but uh, I would sit with those. I mean, those, those are the big stories in the X-Men mythology. Of course, you know, you, most people, Days of Future Past and Dark Phoenix, which is why you have movies made of those, mm-hmm. because those are the two biggest ones. But again, Days of Future Past, I'm showing on YouTube. I mean, it's like two issues, two or three issues, tiny, tiny. Oh, God Loves Man Kills is a really good one, but I wouldn't say it's for kids. <laughs> it that that goes into the hate the that's the the humanity's hatred of mutants in that one. Uh, but it's a fantastic story. But yeah, if if they haven't watched the cartoon, which it seems like from listening to your podcast and you talking, I think maybe y'all might have. Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I would I would show them that, and you can get the DVDs and Blu-rays. In fact. Disney Plus is going to have all of them on there. I'm not sure if y'all are getting that in Australia, you know, how Netflix is in terms of, right. you know, what content is available where. Uh, but any of the 80s X-Men stuff is phenomenal. That's like, that's, those comics made me an X-Men fan, like, like from day one. Like, one of the first comics I ever got was Excalibur number one, or not number one, number 12, excuse me. But I had Kitty Pride Shadow, uh, and Nightcrawler in it. And then, of course, I knew the X-Men from that and then grew from that. Excuse me. So that that that's my best kind of answer there. Your first question. Uh, also, Dark Phoenix sucks. Get ready for that, <laughs> which I'm sure you heard. Uh, where to buy them? Uh, I mean, most of my hardcover stuff I would get on Amazon, or mm-hmm. even uh, some of the hard to find stuff, uh, eBay. Because yeah. I know I'm not. You know, I know Amazon. Amazon has like different countries. There. Yeah, with eBay, but I know they have eBay like you know for Australia stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, pretty sure. True. Uh, so, you know, or just, you know, go to a comic book shop and, uh, of course you probably pay a little bit more, uh, maybe than you might get on Amazon, but support your local comic shops. That's right. Uh, you know, in terms of rating the movies, this is tough cause it's hard to do like just staring at them. X2. Rating them? Yeah. Like, uh, or ranking them. I'm sorry. Oh, ranking them. Uh, let's see. Pro- uh, probably X2. I'm, I'm shocked you have it so low cause I thought X2 was... I haven't seen it in a long time, but X, I remember X-Tube just X2 being so good. great, yeah. yeah. That's what I recall, too. Uh, I'd say X-2, First Class, 
Days of Future Past, Logan. Mm, I really like Deadpool. I'd say Deadpool 2. You have them all listed there? Yeah, I'm just looking at what he had. Oh, okay. Uh, I got them listed up here, too. Included. I did five. I got like seven more to do. The last <laughs> ones, are, the last ones are going to be the same ones you have. Logan? Apocalypse. Where's the Logan on your list? Uh, I already mentioned it. I thought like after, like I'd say four. Uh, X. I said X two. Mm. First class. Days of Future Past. Logan. Deadpool two. So that's definitely my top five. Everything else almost could be interchange. Not inter. No. 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 Not interchangeable. Uh, then uh, X Men. Deadpool one. The Wolverine. And then everything else is shit. Now, when I say shit, like like you, I don't hate them. I I, I didn't. I don't mind watching them, but compared to the the other ones we mentioned, you know, I didn't like Apocalypse. Last Stand had its moments. Wolverine Origins had its moments. Lee Shriver was a good Sabretooth. Uh, they Dark Phoenix. No, Dark Phoenix is definitely last, bottom of the barrel. I there was. I really can't say. Anything good about that film? Honestly, I mean, this is we're taking a look at X two, the mansion attack scene. Mm-hmm. Great scene, absolutely. If only they could have gone the Logan route, <laughs> then oh with yeah, the violence. yeah. But they did more than the first one for sure. Oh god, yeah. I mean, they could at least show blood in this one. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know. Uh, I would put Logan a lot higher. It's just I didn't like when they brought. I, I know why they did it. I, I would have liked it better if they would have just kept it him and Laura and not brought in all those other kids. Uh, that the movie lost me at that point. Uh, however, I mean the viol- the action in Logan, mm-hmm. uh, the the oh oh no, I'm sorry. I remember my big complaint with Logan. It shouldn't have been Wolverine, the young Wolverine clone. It should have been Sabretooth. That was my beef with Logan. Is that uh, when you know, they, uh, they have the X-24, whatever they, I forget what they call him in the movie, but the young Hugh Jackman. Right, right, right. It should have been Sabretooth. To me, that would have... Yeah. Because uh, that reveal, when he comes out of the shadows, I'm like, wait, why does he look younger? It, like, it confused me at first until <laughs> I could see what was happening. Where I suppose it had to have been, you know... Because when it showed in the shadow, I'm like, wait, is this Sabretooth? I'm like, oh, shit. And then, like, wait, what? What? Yeah. You know? Uh, but that was really the only thing that... That was my biggest complaint with Logan. It, it should have been, why, and I don't know, it could have been, why, just make it, like, Lee Schreiber should have came back, and it, it would have been, hey, look, hey, pal, hey, guy. Tied into earlier what I said with Fright Night. Uh, and I think that would have made, because that threw me for a loop. And then when they got to the all the kids, I mean, that, wasn't that, that, bad, that wasn't necessarily that bad, because I'm, I'm remembering now when we talked about it on the podcast, it was the fact that whatever, I, I think they call them X-24 or whatever, the young Logan like it shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been that. Hmm. But the the Las Vegas scene where Xavier's freaking out and, and Wolverine's just walking up to everybody, yeah, <laughs> that is that is probably the best scene in any X Men movie to me. That I'm, I'm watching that just like like a cut, just like oh, so ha- that that part was just like like I've waited so everybody waited so long to see Wolverine do shit like this because he's done it in the comics forever. He's not a. He's the best at what he does, and what he do it does isn't nice. That's his catchphrase in yeah. the movies. It's just like I'm the best at what I do. Fill in the rest, because what he does isn't nice. <laughs> he is a murderer. Yeah, like yes. 
And then the dude just watching him, like, the dude just, like, he's coming. He's coming for me. Great. God. Just great. That's, you know, again, my beef with Logan is just, is minute. It doesn't, it doesn't take away from how good the film was. And then, uh, where to, uh, actually, oh no, actually, Ben posted it. Somebody recut the Ernest goes to Ernest scared stupid, stupid trailer, right? As to Logan. like to Logan, you know, basically, they just put hurt with it, right? <laughs> you know, but at the same time, it was good, it was great. I'm just, I'm like, I'm cracking up and crying at the same time. It was so good, but uh, Ben shared that. So, yeah, uh, again, aside, honestly, aside from Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, I really don't, I don't, I don't care if I ever see those again. Mm hmm. Even though they got McAvoy and Fassbender in it, because that was perfect casting. Like, but when you watch when you watch Dark Phoenix and like just you, you know, I mean, of course, when people are on set, they're acting like you know the director. Like, I imagine they're like, all right, Michael, you're you're pushing the helicopter back, you're forcing it back with your magnetic powers, you know, and he's acting and getting into it. But the way and on, when you watch Dark Phoenix, it's just like not in any of the other ones that I can recall offhand but i'm watching i'm like i'm watching and i, I can tell that's what's being done it's not fosbinder's fault it's the way it's shot i can it's, it's shot so bad and awkwardly <laughs> i know that i know he's acting like magni like trying yeah. to do this uh but like a good example in first class he's like move the satellite dish and he's like you know and then like he's like you know you have to train either him and xavier are talking and he's like and he does and like you know well done that scene is well done in Dark Phoenix, it's like I can't see it on the podcast. Well, but it's, like, gonna say. it's badly shot. On YouTube, so you can. It's like <laughs> it's go. awkward. It is awkward in Dark Phoenix. <laughs> and again, Jennifer Lawrence doesn't want to be there. And you have such a good cat. Like in terms of the aside from Sophie, whatever her name is, Sansa Stark. Because uh, my theory, my my theory stands true. The, the younger actors from Game of Thrones are no good outside of Game of Thrones in terms of anything they've been in. Name me a good role Kit Harington did that wasn't Jon Snow. Same thing for Sansa uh, and all that. Now, because I, I can name you a ton that Peter Dinklage did. I can name you a ton that Lena Headley did. Uh, even, uh, you know, the character actors, the, the other older actors and the stuff they've been in, they've been great in. But those, the kids just, they were great. They're fantastic as those Game of Thrones characters. I don't want to see him anything else. But anyway, I'm talking a year off. But yeah, that's kind of the gist of it, Ben, for me. And uh, again, with the comics, just stick with the big storylines in terms of that. Uh, they also did a comic book run of the cartoon that was just called, uh, in the comic book form, it was called X-Men Adventures. But it was basically just the adaptation of the TV show into comics. So again, I'm not sure, you know, I know you show your kids a lot of different stuff. Uh, but I'm not sure, like reading level or reading wise, you know, what you like to show them. But uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's all good. I want it's not inappropriate or anything. But you know, the subject matter is, you know, I mean, kids. I mean, kids are smart. I'm not discounting any kid. But you know, but as a parent, you know, because I'm a parent now, so it's like you know, I'm I'm constantly debating like when do I show Violet Legend? When do I show her Jaws? When do we read? You know this book or that book, you know, or when do I read scary stories to tell in the dark to her at night before she goes to bed? You know, I mean, that's a, the struggle is real when it comes to that. Cause I mean, I watched, I watched Jaws and Ghostbusters, you know, Jaws when I was real young and yet it scared me to get in the bathtub by myself as a, you know, four year old or whatever it was, but mm -hmm. also gave me a lifelong love for sharks. You know, um, Psycho didn't give me a love for showers cause I take baths, uh, but that's not because of Psycho. Um, but then like, you know, uh, where I was going with that. But anyway, never mm -hmm. mind. I'll think of it later.
Maybe next week. But next week, everybody, uh, don't forget, uh, you got an email, visit at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is 80s underscore <laughs> underscore revisited that's right uh then on facebook is it is it still is it under 80s revisited at facebook or it could be <laughs> or at but awesome what i do know or... twitch.tv slash 80s revisited but as soon as our internet is up and working we're supposed to do it today so be there for our premiere go follow over there go make an account it's free and uh yeah we'll be live over we'll there there we're doing it live. Central Time on Absolutely. Thursday. But then also uh, give a listen to uh, the Something Something Podcast Network. Uh, that's Ben's uh, network that he's on. Man's a podcast machine. I still haven't caught up. Uh, and then uh, Melissa Sings on Twitch, speaking of Twitch, and also yeah. iHeart Board Games. Yeah, Heart See Board Jesse's games. lovely mug. Leave the eye out. Three times a week? <sighs> At least. <laughs> yeah. And Melissa's two times a week? Yeah, four times oh. for her. Yeah. Wow. Four times a week for her, three times for the board game. So that's a good seven yeah. plus this, eight. There you go. <laughs> eight days of content a week. This house is constantly putting out content. There you go. Sedgley production. You just need to put the sign out front. Yeah. Sedgley, you know, sad uh, seal no. or whatever you want to. Or no, Sedgley now. Yeah, it's just your last name. It's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yep. So, but anyway, next week we're going to be talking about a film. I'm going to, we'll see who can guess it. Uh, but anyway, next week in Sequelitis, the subject we're going to be talking about, he suffers from clinical lycanthropy and a father complex. So if you think you know what it is, and I'll give you a hint, don't focus on what the word lycanthropy means. Because it means, it yes. doesn't, spoil, here's your only hint, it doesn't mean werewolf all the time. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, that's a, a word also, you know, actually look it up, Jesse, let me make sure. Because I looked, I searched what this would be, Yeah. and that's what came up. Just search. If you're on Instagram... Take a picture of what you think it is and tag 80s underscore revisited. Winner gets a no prize. <laughs> Winner gets a shout out. There you go. <laughs> um, what am I looking at? Uh, lycanthropy. Okay. For the, the, the exact definition of it. Because, uh, okay. of course, anytime somebody says that. Oh, wait. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. It's the, it's the, seg- it's the, it's the archaic definition which is a form of madness involving the delusion of being an animal usually a wolf with correspondingly altered behavior so that's the definition they're talking about here okay it's not a wolf it's not the supernatural transformation of a person into a wolf as recounted in folk tales correct jesse <laughs> that was totally like a wayne's world moment yeah you know <laughs> so it is the archaic definition of basically a person a form of madness involving the delusion of being an animal which is usually a wolf, oh. which, of course, what we call it. Anytime somebody, you know, in any movie nowadays where there's werewolves, it's like, oh, you suffer from like ly- uh, lycanthropy. So you're referring to the definition from the late 16th century as opposed form as a supposed form of madness from the lo- modern Latin <laughs> lycanthropia. I thought it was from the Greek lycanthropia. It's actually from both. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jesse, it is. <laughs> I just, I, I, just, I just see Alice Cooper like, yes. Right, yes. Isn't Milwaukee an Indian name? <laughs> Milwaukee. Yes, Pete, it is. <laughs> Meaning the good land. The good land. Love Such it. Such a genius. Uh, <laughs> so, I want a Wayne's World 3 so bad. Yeah. Like, just, just, just to have a trilogy. Well, just make the, uh, just make a dedication to it. What do they call them? The spiritual successor. That's tough. That's it a that's tough. a tough act to follow. Thing. Order. That is, I'm sorry. Wayne's World one and two is peak Mike Myers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not awesome. I mean, awesome power made a bajillion dollars, and it's a hilarious movie. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. In my opinion, 
but I'll take Wayne's World yep. one and two over anything else that he ever did. Absolutely. So anyway, everybody, we'll be back next week with some more sequelitis. So place your bets as to who you think we're going to be talking about. Just remember, it's a sequel to a movie that we've done before. And I gave you the hint already, so rewind it if you forgot it. There you go. And until next time, I remain Trey Harris. Yes, essentially. Cowabunga, fuckers. <laughs>